Hello, folks. It is time for another Eurovision for Real podcast, and I am Alicia Michelle. It's been a really exciting Eurovision week. It's February 2nd, and it's been a lot this week. We've learned like three new artists dropped this week. We got, um, and maybe even more than three, we found out our slogan. We saw the stage. We saw the logo. We found out the semifinal allocations. And I don't know, I, I'm not one for drip drop information. You know, that's like the trickle, trickle information where it's like you know the things, but you're just like holding it back. But on a level, I am a big proponent of PR, you know, and just milking as much press as you possibly can. And a part of me kind of goes, okay, how much press are we actually going to be able to dole out if we're just out here dropping story after story after story? At some point, someone's not going to get some shine. That's basically what I'm saying. At some point, someone becomes forgotten because here I am sitting here and it's only Thursday. And if you asked me, Who's participating and who was dropped as a participant this week? I would say, okay, Armenia, Greece, I think Austria. I don't know if that was a leak or an official drop or maybe they just did the official drop today. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? See what's happening right here? Somebody is not getting the shine that they deserve. It's just been a really busy Eurovision Newsweek, and I'm going to kick off this podcast kind of to talk about the stage, the slogan, and the logo. And this is the Eurovision for Real podcast, so you know this isn't about news. This is about talking about the real stuff, the real talk, the real stuff, you know? So I'm going to just go ahead and say, some of y'all are so damn dramatic, You know, so dramatic. So apparently there was someone who was like, you know, maybe the the head of social media for the city of Liverpool. And he was taking pictures like, oh, you know, it's beginning to look a lot like Eurovision, basically. And so then there we saw the supposed slogan and the logo. And so then I think the Eurovision team had to be like, oh, OK, guess we got to um, put this out there put this out there that this is what's happening so perhaps that bit of news ended up just getting dropped because you know it was like a little bit of a leak but you know I I, well then we need to be mad at that guy then right because he didn't allow us to have our nice splashy you know press release on the logo you know it kind of lessened that because we all saw it before but yeah no so when that happened and mind you these were printouts of the logo, everyone was like, oh God, it's so ugly. This is terrible. Why is this happening? So dramatic. Like, really? It's a logo and a slogan that most people at home are not even gonna see, nor care about, nor know about. That's the hard truth. That is the hard truth of all of this. Is there are gonna be people at home who don't even know what the slogan for the show is. And the host will probably say it, you know, four to five times, but you know, we're not there for that. We're, we're there for the participants for the show. So the slogan is United by Music. Cute, cool, inoffensive. I also like the play on the U with the Ukraine and the United Kingdom. 
So united by music. I like that. I actually think that that's a really nice slogan to have. I, for one, would say, I think that the Eurovision Song Contest doesn't even really need slogans. I think they should just have one slogan. (laughs) And just every year, I, I don't think we need it. I also don't think we necessarily need a new logo every single year. You know, sort of the design. I think it's fun as like a graphic design nerd. Um, I would say I don't hate it because it's just fun. It's like, oh, we get to freshen things up, have different colors, and it allows you to sort of have this very like strong theme and point of view that really marks the year. But do I think it's really required? No. So with that said, I just don't understand why everyone gets in a tizzy over it. Who really cares? (laughs) Who really cares? It's not that big of a deal. It really isn't. Okay. And some people will have you say, oh, but then when you look at the the YouTube thumbnail, who cares about the damn thumbnail? You're not watching the thumbnail, you're watching the video. You're watching the performance. Now, so I, I, I've I never really been big on breaking down the theme and the logos and stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's kind of a nice perk. But it isn't everything, you know, it isn't everything. But one thing I will say that we did get this week that I do think is interesting and fun is the stage. I think the stage is actually important. And I will say I do get a little bit like, you know, a little bit, you know, excited. Um, Yeah, a little bit excited about is the stage. And I will just tell you, there are people who are upset about the stage. Of course there are. Of course, there are people upset about the stage, too. (sighs) Lord, y'all are exhausting. You know, some people just want to be miserable, though. Right? Right? Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what it is? Yeah, some people just want to be miserable. But no, let's talk about the stage. So one of the things that I really love about the stage, I like the cleanliness of it. I love the fact that the stage has this openness and a cleanliness to it. You know, and some people are like, oh, it's just empty. I'm like, so then it can be filled with the screen. So then the performers don't have anything that's sort of distracting. And I mean, not to bring up last year, but we kind of got to bring up last year, right? We sort of have to. You know, then you don't have to worry about a stage that's broken and can't do what it's supposed to do. This stage feels reliable. It feels comfortable. It feels safe. And you know what's so funny about that? When I was talking about the UK possibly being in winter contention last year, that's one of the things I said about the UK. I was like, maybe, and I I was like, I don't know, as an American, I wouldn't necessarily say that I have this opinion of the UK, but I could see the UK sort of representing this in the whole of Europe. You know, it feels like an older, you know, place. It feels established. There's there's a safetyness to it. There's a comfort with like, this feels reliable. It feels like it works. You know, think about, you know, an ugly grandma bra, you know, not a Victoria's Secret one, you know, just like a regular support bra. It's, it doesn't really look that great. You know, you can't really find it in a whole bunch of colors. You're pretty much going to find it in your, you know, you're like not even, t- I was going to say nude, but like peach, you know, because it's not nude for me. You know what I'm saying? So you got your peach tannish color. You got your black. You got your white. 
It looks terrible, but guess what it does? Works. It pulls your boobs up, holds them in the right place. It's reliable. Might not be sexy. It's not got a lot of lace on it. It's not got, you know, some bedazzled stuff on it. You know, it might not have a push-up in there. You know, it's, it's not sexy. But it is reliable and supportive. And supportive. Which is another reason why I think the BBC was a perfect... You know, perfect broadcaster to be putting on this year's show. Because with so much uncertainty in the world, it's okay going with the safe, reliable thing. Okay? So I'm cool with it. I, I, I really like the stage. But but breaking down other aspects of the stage and the way that they have the lighting is, it, it, it feels like it almost is going to envelop the crowd a little bit which I think is dynamic. They're also bringing back the standing room area for fans because in the UK, let's be real, there's going to be a lot of people who want to go to the show. I won't be there. Bummer. I will have the FOMO. I will be missing out. But a whole bunch of y'all will be able to go there and you'll really be able to experience the show. It's going to be exciting this year, y'all, right? It's going to be a really exciting Eurovision year. So... Okay, so Julio Jimende, the set designer for Liverpool 2023, said that he based his stage design on the principles of togetherness, celebration, and community. I love that. I love that. And so this is this is a direct quote from Eurovision.tv. The architecture takes inspiration from a wide hug, opening its arms to Ukraine, the show's performers and guests from across the world. I focused on the cultural aspects and similarities between Ukraine, the UK, and specifically Liverpool, from music, dance, and art to architecture and poetry. This is a really good stage. Come on, y'all. Julio also has a good resume because Julio's worked at the Grammys. He's done the MTV EMAs. So guess what? Instead of saying, oh, this is going to be so bad, the BBC has messed up the stage. Don't say that. Say Julio, okay? Y'all gotta get y'all gotta get right with your targets, because if you want to talk mess, you should be specific. <laughs> um, Julio also said it's our duty as designers to enhance performances through a compelling visual landscape while capturing the heart and soul of the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, Julio, who is your press person? Because these quotes are really well composed. Truly, truly, I, I think that the stage looks great. Okay. They did a little promotional video showing how, you know, the lights and the movement and everything. I mean, with love, beautiful. The way that the lights sort of open up. I mean, it looks shiny. It looks modern. I love the fact that the, that we still have somewhat of a catwalk and like a satellite stage situation. Because that can allow our performers to have a little bit more movement than just side to side on stage. And so that's exciting. We love that. I mean, I, I just... This stage looks good, y'all. Anyone who was saying it was bad, I mean, come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. And I think we do still have the LED backing situation, so that can create really dynamic visuals on the stage. I liked it. This is this is one of the benefits of being an American Eurovision fan. It's like I wake up and there's just news already there. I don't have to like wait in the day. It's like I wake up and then instantly I can consume a whole bunch of news. So yeah, so I'm really, really looking forward to the stage. So if people were asking my opinion on the stage, the logo, I mean, I didn't talk much about the logo. I think it looks fine, y'all. 
I just, I think it looks fine. Come on now. Come on now. And they explained it. It's, you know, we've got um, elements of the pink hat. We've got elements of, you know, the blue and yellow from Ukraine. We've got like a darker navy blue representing the UK. I mean, this is feeling like a real joint venture. This is good. And that's your vision for real. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, let's talk about, because since we had so many announcements this week, we had so many announcements. Yeah, let's talk about um, our competitors that we have now. So Albina and, the, and her family, we know we've had them for a minute. Brunette is going to be representing Armenia. I don't know about that. Brunette, like we're just, we're going to call ourselves by the color of our hair. I don't know. I don't know. Not really, not really my thing. <laughs> um, but Brunette, I'm into it. Uh, we have um, from Austria, Taya and Selena. Hmm. I wonder what they'll be giving us. So hold on. Let me let me click on Brunette. So Brunette, I hear, kind of does some R&B stuff. So I'm curious, because you know I'm an R&B girl, so I'm, I'm curious to, to hear what the track eventually will be. Austria, Taya and Selena, what are they giving us? There was something, I think some people were saying that their song was leaked and it was some song that was like Edgar Allan Poe and it was like Poe, 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 Poe. I was thinking that that was a hoax. I'm hoping it was a hoax. Maybe, maybe I should live in that world, hoping that it was a hoax. Clearly, we still have uh, Gustav for Belgium. I think we talked about Gustav the last time. Did we? Maybe we didn't. I think the song is just fine, but I don't expect to see it advancing. You know, so that is what it is. We've had Andrew Lambrou, Lambro for a while representing Cyprus. Good looking. France, Lazara. Actually, I don't think we talked about Lazara. Honestly, I don't know how I feel about these like artist announcements without songs. I think I'm getting a little bit like, what's the point? If you're not giving me like a whole bio, and I, I guess what it is is because they're assuming that then we'll go and like watch their videos. But to to a certain degree, it's like it doesn't even matter. Even if their back catalog is good, who cares? It matters what they decide to send to Eurovision. And so many times we've been let down with artists who have amazing back catalogs. And then when they bring us the Eurovision song, it's like, what is this? So Georgia announced their representative Iru, Iru, Kachenanovi. I don't think that that's how it's pronounced. Bear with me. But um, Iru, Ira, Iru, I think participated at Junior Eurovision. So that's exciting. I like that. I like to see my Junior Eurovision participants graduate. I really, really do. Next up, Greece is giving us Victor Vernikos. I'm curious what Victor's going to give us because Greece, I know they want to win, okay? I know that Greece wants to win, so I'm all in. Obviously, we had Israel, our pop girl, Noah, Noah, and then the Netherlands giving us Mia and Dion. Then we have Slovenia, Joker out, and then rounding it out with Ukraine. You know, we've got we've got a lot of artists at this point. We've got a lot of artists at this point, but I think what we really need to be talking about, because the big news of this week was the semifinal allocation draw, which let me just kick off and say, Rylan and AJ, I expect them to be our turquoise carpet hosts, and I expect them to be the, um, 
not the is it do we want to call it um like for the meet and greets for the press conferences and whatnot i expect them to be facilitating those chat shows because what they've done now you know lately you know they'll have the chat show sort of thing where the host asks the artist some questions first and then they turn it over to the press but now since the press room is not going to be open until you know rehearsal week like final rehearsal week like you know the week of the big show so basically after the grand grand opening ceremony then the press room will essentially be open and people can watch the rehearsals of the full show which actually I, I will just say this early and we can get into it later in the podcast I'm not gonna lie I actually said last year that I wouldn't hate that where I'm like, just have the the opening ceremony be the real opening ceremony. Like, let that really kick off things. So I am in that camp. I, I, I said that this is great because you have the opening ceremony. You can have your opportunity on the carpet to interview all the artists, um, see their clothes and stuff, and just have it start from there. And because I think that there was this prickliness already about giving fan access and showing the rehearsals too soon. So you know what? Just take it away. Whatever. It's what you want to do. Just take it away. Stop playing the game. I, I'm I'm a I'm a rip the band-aid, don't ease it off. You know, just rip it. And just do what you want to do. Create the environment that you want to create. So I, I'm actually kind of cool with this. But what I noticed though was, you know, if you want to have like, but I think if they do those press conferences and have those available ahead of time um to press to see and get questions and stuff like that. You want to make sure that you have like engaging hosts in that space to sort of engage with with the participants. And I think Rylan and AJ would do a great job of that. And I mean, yes, you could have Rylan and AJ in the green room, but we don't go to the green room that much for them to be fully utilized. And so for me, I'd like to get them utilized as much as possible because they're both charismatic. They they know things. They're easy. They're quick with it. So, yeah, I would want to have them, I think, facilitating those kind of chat show, uh, prison, uh, you know, press room. Uh, sort of things and I would definitely want to have them on the turquoise carpet that would be my dream who knows what'll happen but like I said they hosted the semifinal allocation draw and if you want a spoiler to all of this if you want to see which country I mean because obviously we don't have like that many songs but it's still fun to make predictions we know that you're a vision for real but it's for real but also for fun so it's nice to make predictions and have fun with that stuff. And so I would say that I did make some predictions. And if you don't want to listen to the rest of the podcast, you can go to EurovisionFam.com. That's EurovisionFam.com. And you can see my predictions. But we're going to kind of dig deep into my predictions in today's Eurovision for Real podcast. So please keep it locked here. This Valentine's Day, you have the opportunity to make a really special impact. Y'all, I am just playing. I'm not about to have ads right now. Not yet. Not yet. I'm just like an old radio person that I'm like the whole point of podcasts were so that you could bypass ads. And now every podcast I listen to, I mean, I'm not saying people can't make money. But it's just a little bit like, come on now. Like, I'm coming to the podcast for the content. I'm coming for the content. Give me the content. Now, if you don't already know, I uh, do write for a website called EurovisionFam.com. So when the semi-allocation draw happened, I don't know. I just, I had a Zen moment. The spirit started speaking to me. 
the tea leaves started simmering and they were like, Alicia, Alicia, we are going to send you to your brain some wild, unresearched, unsubstantiated, crazy predictions for semifinal qualification for Eurovision 2023. And the reason why we're doing it is because it's fun. Okay, it's just fun. It's just fun to make predictions. So in semifinal one, we're, we're in the first half, it's Serbia, Latvia, Ireland, Norway, Portugal, Croatia, Malta, which honestly doesn't feel like a bad way to start off Eurovision 2023. And I just did my reaction. I, I did a live reaction to Serbia's national selection. And oh my gosh, <laughs> there were 16 songs I liked. I'm like, I just hope it's available on Apple Music because... I need that playlist and I've been jamming to Portugal's playlist. Don't play. I don't know if it will kick Portugal out of the running of like the most played national selection in my car. Okay. Portugal's like running away with that. But even with Portugal, the issue is I have to listen to the songs through YouTube in my car because currently it's not available in the States. It's available in Canada. It's available, I think in Mexico and I'm pretty sure it's available in Latin America, but it's just not available here. And I want justice because I need to have them songs in my car, okay? But no, Serbia has a really strong national selection. Latvia's national selection, I actually didn't think was that bad. And they just have to pick right. But Latvia, Latvia has a song that I think actually could be top five at Eurovision this year. I, I say that comfortably, top five. Like, where it will land, could it win? I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but like... It is a solid track and it's good. Ireland, it's interesting because I really wanted Ireland to send um, uh, uh, Layla Jane or Connolly. But now looking at the semifinal and like what some of the other countries might send, especially the other country, the other countries that are in this first half, I kind of want our Ireland to send Aggie now. And quiet as is kept. That uh, the wild youth group, even though the song's a little bit trite, I think they would stand out in this bunch. You know, I didn't not like that song. I just was like, you know, the lyrics are a little bit trite. But at this point, looking at who else is in that half and even what some of those countries have in their national selection, I think Ireland has to go with Aggie or wild youth. Connolly, though, if she is able to perform it, really well and they do some really really thoughtful staging maybe maybe but I don't know I think Ireland might end up having to be bombastic this year they might not be able to go low-key because the thing is Portugal could potentially go a little bit low-key it's possible they could go low-key and Portugal will probably do low-key better so I don't know and then Norway I don't know what Norway's going to pick. And actually, by the time this video, well, podcast is out, we will know probably what Norway's picking. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just this first half of semifinal one is looking, it's looking like good because Serbia is going to give us something interesting. We know that. Latvia, I'm almost positive they're going to give us a rock track. It's going to be a rock track or an electro song. Norway's either going to give us Ulrike's power ballad or um, Alessandra's the kind of kitschy song uh, she queen of the kings it, you know so that one's kind of kitschy so that's gonna pop that's gonna stand out Portugal I don't know they could be giving us Mimi Cat which is sort of cute it's a little bit musical theater but it's fun 
Croatia, I have no clue what they're going to do. And I just always feel like when it's a national selection with Croatia, you never know which way they're going to go. But it typically ends up being, you know, maybe not the thing that even most of the Croatian population wanted them to pick. So I don't know. Uh, And then Malta, I don't know if we have to worry about Malta. I don't know. I don't know. And so then the second half of semifinal one, we've got heavy hitters in here. We've got Sweden. We've got Moldova. We have Switzerland. We have Israel, the Netherlands, Finland, Azerbaijan, and Czech Republic. Czech Republic released their songs this week from the national selection, and I think they've got two really strong songs in there, so Czech Republic is probably going to make it through. Azerbaijan, if they kind of stick to their roots, giving us kind of like something ethnic, and we know they're going to pour a whole bunch of money into the staging, I think Azerbaijan, after sort of the ballad of last year, I think they are going to go back to their sort of ethnic bop roots, so that's going to be strong. Finland's got one of the strongest national selections this year, y'all. So Finland's not going to be slept on. The Netherlands, I don't know, maybe this is the year the Netherlands sits out. I don't know. But the Netherlands has just been giving us so much quality, it's hard to think that they won't make it through. Israel's given us pop girly Noah Krell, so she won't be sleeping. She'll be dancing. She'll be singing. Israel knows how to stage, so they're in it. Switzerland, I, I'm Switzerland might be sitting out this year. I don't know. But, you know, Switzerland wants to win it. So maybe after they gave us kind of that upscale, you know, very, uh, I would say, adult song last year, you know, maybe they want to have a little bit more fun this year. Moldova, we know they're going to have fun. Moldova's national selection is actually pretty good, too. So we know. So Moldova's probably going to be in there. And Sweden, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm thinking this is going to be Jan Henrik Falgren's year. So I think that they could be giving us that dancey, you know, meet Sammy traditional track. I'd love for it to happen. I'd love for that to happen. Sweden needs to give us something that feels a little bit more ethnic. It's been too long for them. It's been too long for them. We, we need something a little bit ethnic from them. But I will say this. If Norway wants to send um, Yona, you know, <laughs> If they want to send that, will that be better than what Sweden has with the with the dance group, the DJ, and Jan Henrik Falgren? You know, those might be duking it out. So then maybe Norway doesn't want to send that. Or, you know, maybe Sweden does want to send it. They're like, nope, we think ours is better. So ours will mute yours out. That could be interesting. It's just semifinal one, the second half. Heavy hitters and people who want to win Eurovision. We know Sweden wants to win Eurovision again. We know Switzerland wants to win. We know Moldova wants to win. We know the Netherlands, well, the Netherlands might not want to win yet. No. But Finland, we know Finland wants to win. And we know Czech Republic wants to win. So that's Czech Republic, Finland, Switzerland, Moldova, and Sweden. Five countries in the second half who legitimately, like these delegations, want to win. This is not that, oh, where people comment, oh, Alicia, we don't have budget. I, like, stop it. I know for a fact those four, de- those five delegations want to win Eurovision, period. Let's not talk about them not having budget. They want to win. You might feel like in your country they don't have the budget. But these, these folks are coming together and getting all their coins because they want to host Eurovision. All right? So I think we can all agree. Semi-final one is going to be our bloodbath. semi it's going to be the bloodbath semi. I'm worried. I think the countries I'm most worried for all in all are Latvia, Ireland, and Croatia. 
those are the countries I'm most worried for. And and by worried, I mean countries that I would like to see advance because it's been a long time since they haven't or a long enough time since they haven't and I don't want them to become discouraged and not give us quality. And I do feel like with Croatia, Ireland, and Latvia looking at their national selections, they have options. They've got some gems in there that I would say wouldn't just do well at Eurovision, you know, to qualify but could like, you know, maybe have a chance at duking it out for top 10. Lapia, I think, has a song that actually could win Eurovision. I think they've got two songs that could possibly win Eurovision. I think Croatia has one song that could come like top 10, top 15 at least. So I would like to see that. I think those are the three countries I'm, I'm most concerned for given this draw. And, and I would say the countries that could surprise and not make it through Given recent track records, I'd say Switzerland and Ireland and Israel, Switzerland and Israel, because Switzerland is, you know, they've been given us quality. They decided to revamp things. But I remember a world where Switzerland did not qualify and we could go back to that place. Israel didn't qualify last year. And even though Noah Krell is a certified pop girly. And even though Israel has budget and they know what they're doing when it comes to staging and they will put together a slick show. My fear is that given, you know, the track record of what we've been looking at that's been coming top 10, if it just ends up being kind of like a generic pop song in mostly English, I will be concerned for Israel. With Switzerland, I think Switzerland being that they're always so neutral with everything, I don't know if they ever <laughs> have neighbors that really feel like they need to duke it out, you know, for Switzerland. But no, with Switzerland, I think last year they got lucky. Honestly, yes, it was a it was a well-produced song. Yes, it was performed. You know, the staging was thoughtful. But to me, Sasha Jean-Baptiste won that qualification and not so much the song package and the vocal because I loved the studio cut of the song. But I do think live the vocal fell down a little bit for me. And that's really because the, the vocalist that we had last year, he's not really a vocalist. He's not like a trained performer. So I think, you know, a little bit of that so showmanship and polish was needed um, to maybe push it a little bit further so I, I just wonder if Switzerland might be filling themselves a little bit too much where they're just like oh man like we're just on a good track record and we don't need to like grind it out and then they become complacent and they think that they'll just make it through and you have no juries to help you this time you have no juries but now we could also get a she got me a Switzerland 2019 moment which would be great and that would definitely qualify but I just think anything that's going to be potentially floating on the generic pop lens is going to not be able to push through and I would also say too with Switzerland John's Tears amazing both times 2020 and 2021 great so Switzerland I just think they need to pull a little bit more of that 2019 2020 or not 2019 well yeah I think they need some 2019 I think they need some 2020 and some 2021 energy but they cannot be giving us 2022 energy. But you see what I'm saying? See the track record? It's like 2019 was great. 2020 was good. 20, 2021 was good. And then they did last year, complacent a little bit. And had it not been for the juries, it would not have made it through. So this is 2023, Switzerland. Come through correct. Israel, I think because they didn't qualify last year, there's going to be a hunger. 
and they'll they'll really try to do their very best. I mean, Israel's been revamping since 2016, and they actually do a good revamp. So I expect Israel to give us a song and then be like, just kidding, and maybe give us another one if they don't get the initial response that they were going for. Yeah, but that's semifinal one. That's semifinal one. And ultimately, I mean, I could make wild predictions. If you want to see my wild prediction, you know, go to EurovisionFam.com. Uh, it's all going to come down to the songs, duh. But that's semifinal one, our bloodbath semi. Now, semifinal two, this one's our wild card semi. I'm kind of loving it, though. <laughs> it's our wild card semi, and I kind of love it because I actually think that this is going to be the show that we want to watch on TV. This is going to be the semi that's like interesting. This is the semi to have your drinks, have your snacks, and have your party for. Semifinal one is going to be tense. You might want to be alone. You might want to watch it by yourself because you might lose a favorite. And you you might not want your friends to see you crying over a song, not making it through. Uh, no, just me, not you? Okay, I'll take that. So semifinal two, we're kicking off with Armenia that, you know, coming off of last year, you know, Rosalind being a viral sensation, that's pretty good. Cyprus, you know, Cyprus is coming for redemption. Then we've got Romania in the mix. Romania, I think, has some nice momentum. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting them to cut through. Denmark, man, Denmark's going to be one of the countries that I'm worried for because the national selection is not super strong, but there is super strong. But there is a song in that national selection that could give us an Amar Palostois moment. Okay? Belgium. You know, we already have the song for Belgium, and I'm going to tell y'all right now. Now that we have the semifinal allocation draw, I'm going to go ahead and say all of my thinking that, oh, I don't know if Belgium's song will be enough. I'm telling you, I don't think it will be. Iceland's had a nice track record of, of picking the right song, so Iceland is also in the first half. Then we have Greece, and we have Estonia. So in this first half of semifinal two... I'm actually saying that Cyprus is most likely to advance Romania and then I'm putting my money on Iceland, Greece, Estonia, perhaps one of those might miss out of out of the Iceland, Greece, Estonia. And I actually think Estonia might be the one that misses out. I love Esti Lau. They have songs that I think are so great and then they never pick them. <laughs> they never pick those songs. And I'm like, WTF? Please, how can you not work with me? Like, just give me the, give me what I want. Give me what I want. Uh, it seems like they're going to end up picking this one song that's very Nickelback-esque. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit concerned if they pick the Nickelback-esque song. Because it's possible that Denmark might choose a rock entry. And I do think Denmark's rock entry, if they stage it right, could edge Estonia's. But I also feel like Estonia's rock entry could just end up falling by the wayside because there's so much, I think, out of the box that's going to be happening in semifinal two that I think people at home might just really embrace the out of the box stuff and then embrace some of the quiet moments. So I say this, if Estonia picks the Bedwetters or Alika Bridges, then I'm thinking it will, they will advance. If they pick Ollie or anything else, I'd be worried for them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The second half of semifinal two has Albania, Australia, Austria, Lithuania, San Marino, Slovenia, Georgia, and Poland. 
Poland's in a good space. They've got friends and whatnot. But I will say, you know, Poland was thinking that they were going to win last year. And they came 12th because they thought that that song was so great. So that makes me a little bit concerned that they're like, ooh, ooh, we have really good taste. Like, we know what's really good. And then they could be in for a surprise, potentially. I'm hoping that it makes them hungrier, the results for last year, coming so close after, you know, not qualifying. So that would be my hope. Georgia is sending one of their winners who, um, one of their junior Eurovision winners. So Georgia actually might come correct this year. I think the deck might still be stacked against them, but they could they could cut through. Slovenia, I'm thinking, will advance. I'm thinking Joker out is is on a tear for potential like winner potential. So I'm 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 hopeful for Slovenia. San Marino, we don't know what we're gonna get. And honestly, like if you can't qualify with Akili Lauer, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. That makes me nervous. Uh, Lithuania, I think Lithuania is going to be good. They've, they've had a nice momentum and wave they've been running. So I actually think Lithuania being in the second half I, and and with the other countries they're with, I, I think Lithuania is in a good place. This is not a bad semi for them. Austria, I'm worried for them. I'm not going to lie. I'm worried for Austria. I, I don't know. They've announced their artists, but... I'm concerned. I'm concerned. The artist announcement didn't make me feel like, ooh, okay. Honestly, Austria, this might have been a year just to go with Cesar Sampson. Just to go with what you know. That might have that might have been the better move. Australia's also here and Australia decided to scrap you decide. So that tells me that they've got a really strong internal pick. So I'm thinking Australia's gonna make it this year. I really do. You not doing a national selection tells me, like, no, we're in talks with, like, three solid people. So we'll see there. And then Albania. It's crazy because I really like the song. When I reacted to it, I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is something that could qualify. And the televote always kind of likes what Albania serves. But now, looking at this semi, I'm concerned for Albania. And I don't want to be concerned for Albania. I would like Albania to do to just, you know, just kind of qualify. And so my ridiculous prediction for semifinal two was that Cyprus, Romania, Iceland, Greece, Estonia, Australia, Lithuania, Slovenia, and Poland would qualify. But then my wild cards were Albania versus Armenia, that Albania and Armenia might be duking it out. Here's the thing with Armenia. Although they've got good momentum and they that Kami Kami, that Junior Eurovision song, so good. But Armenia sometimes has a tendency at Eurovision, and I'm going to think about Armenia 2019 and even a little bit of 2018. You know, well-polished well acts. The song is good, and then just something happens on the night of where it just falls down. It just falls apart a little bit. And so I I don't want that to happen. I Because Armenia, honestly, just candidly speaking, Armenia is one of the countries that I actually feel like should be winning Eurovision sometime soon. And I felt like they had nice momentum at one point, and then they dropped the ball and started not qualifying. So I don't know. I'd like to see them turn the page. 
But I don't know if this year is going to be the year. I think, if anything, it's Armenia and Albania duking it out. And my prediction is that Armenia ends up getting the edge over Albania and maybe Albania sits this year out, even though I don't necessarily want that to happen. I don't know. The semifinal allocation draw, it was just really good. It makes me feel like this year at Eurovision, the shows are going to be so good. And although we still ended up with kind of like a semifinal bloodbath, which I hate, <laughs> I just wish there was like a way that we could, you know, spread the love a little bit because... I mean, I just look at countries like in Ireland, honestly, and just this like y'all just year after year get stuck in the tough semi. I think even Latvia has been having kind of a, a tough hill to climb just just where they've been sort of placed in the run of things. But we're going to see. I mean, all in all, this was slick. I feel I feel like I feel like these are going to be some good shows. Semifinal one. I, I mean, just to just to kind of go back, semifinal one, my ridiculous, crazy prediction was that Serbia, Norway, Portugal, Sweden, Moldova, Israel, Finland, Czech Republic, and the Netherlands qualify, and then Ireland and Azerbaijan are sort of on the cusp, duking it out. But in the course of this conversation, you know, I'm I'm kind of saying, you know, if if Estonia gets it together. And sends like bedwetters, you know, maybe maybe they're able to knock out a force like Moldova. But Moldova's national selection is too good. See, this is too hard to do. I don't know. Talk to me. Comment. This is the Eurovision for real podcast. And actually, before we close, I said that I was going to mention because so we know that there's going to be some changes to the way that the BBC is, well, not the BBC, but the EBU is doling out allocations, uh, uh, well, accreditations. Um, I'm, I've got semifinal allocations on my mind. That's that's just all I'm thinking about, semifinal allocations. But basically, the rehearsals are now going to be closed. No one will be able to see the rehearsals of individual performances. And I will say the one thing that makes me bummed about that is because I think that I'm a pretty judicious person when it comes to laying out you know how I think folks can improve and folks won't be able to get that advice on you know maybe changing up an outfit or maybe adding a different camera angle maybe jump cuts or something like that we won't be able to have that uh but ultimately I'm okay with this I I think I I am I'm I'm actually okay with it and some people might be like are you really I'm like your vision for real I cannot tell a lie I do think it's nice to let the artists have the opportunity to truly just rehearse. So then they can go into the semifinals and the shows at ease. I I think also about some of the young performers who could be using these rehearsals in a way to just get comfortable on the stage. And it's hard to do that when you feel like someone's watching and the vultures is just ready to pick everything apart. And and I definitely don't want a situation like that where where performance could possibly be stifled. You know, it, like there's potential for it to be elevated if they just really had like a solid rehearsal that felt like a rehearsal. I remember when I went to Sweden in 2016, I remember sitting there and I remember being shocked that that was that we were seeing those rehearsals. I thought I was going to a workroom where I'd interact with other people. I didn't actually think that we were going to see 
the first run of their rehearsals and I'm like oh well were they here last week and they're like no 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 this is like the artist's first time on the stage I was like and we're watching that I felt very privileged I felt very honored I felt very excited but it was not my expectation I had no expectation that that would be the case and so of course now everyone here has gotten used to seeing these rehearsals and consuming them and it can add a little element of buzz but guess what for people in Europe like you know Eurovision for real I'm an American Eurovision fan it cost me a lot of money to go to Europe okay money that I do not have money that I don't possess okay I wish I did I wish I did but I don't so most of the fan sites and folks will still be able to connect with the artists, interview them at the national selections, at the pre-parties. So the idea that they won't be getting access to the artists and and ideas of what's going to happen on the stage, you know, that's just not true. Um, That's just not true. And then also it adds this really nice surprise element that we get on the week of. So we can kind of bottle that excitement And perhaps by bottling that excitement, the anticipation builds so that by the time we get to the week where the shows are happening, we're still so hyped. I will candidly admit, I think it was Eurovision 2019 that I felt like by the time we got to the shows, I kind of got sick of seeing some of them. And I don't mean that in a in like an ungrateful way, but just sort of like, oh, I've seen it. Like there's nothing new. They're not changing it. And really, I it lessened a little bit of that excitement for the show. So I say all that to say I was really intentional in Italy to not watch all of the runs of the rehearsals because I still wanted to have that surprise and that and that excitement for when the actual show happened. So I didn't. I tried to limit some of my consumption of the rehearsals so that I could really just go into the live stream because I do live stream uh, the semifinals and the grand final with folks. And so I like that. It's like exciting. And it's nice to give people some insight on what I have found out backstage, um, give them some insight of what the artists were talking about, the things that they were like, oh, originally we had this outfit. Now we've switched to this one and give people that information. But you still get to have a little level of that excitement. And, and I think, you know, if people are Eurovision fans, and this is, you know, if you're talking about fan media for Eurovision, you know, part of being a fan and having and, and being in a fandom is that excitement. And I'm not saying that that excitement lessens when you have rehearsals, but sometimes when, when you get fed, then you're not hungry. And hunger can beget a certain amount of fervor and excitement that can then be drummed up and channeled into the actual shows. And ultimately, as much as I love following the national selections, and here we are in February talking about Eurovision, which is my perfect world, to be talking about Eurovision 365, 24-7, you know, ultimately, the show is that week. It's that week. And we want to make sure that we're as loud and as hype for that week so then the other people who aren't following it all year round can feel that energy and kind of join in on this community so all in all I'm okay I don't think that this is a bad move I think 
this is just going to be the new normal. And what I am hoping comes out of this is instead of 20 people giving you their thoughts on the rehearsal, maybe we get more variety of content. Maybe we get some people, you know, showing the city, showing showing what Liverpool is like, maybe finding hidden gems, um, maybe linking up with artists. So if you're fan media and you're from Spain, Maybe you're embedded with what Spain is doing. Instead of having to talk about the whole, maybe getting really deep with the artist that ends up representing Spain. Maybe figuring out fun interview things to do. Like I, when I go to Eurovision, I typically try to get videos or even a national selection. I try to get stuff that's like, hey, why should Americans watch Eurovision? Because I'm an American Eurovision fan and I want more Americans to watch the show and be a part of this movement and and honestly start to follow the national selections. So I want the artists to kind of say, like do their pitch. And like videos like that are fun. It, the artists are kind of looking at me like, what are you doing here? You're American. And I'm like, well, I am. So can you tell more, like tell people why more Americans should watch? I used to, in my videos, I was like one of the only people who would play games with the artists. Now like Everyone does it. You know, think about, um, you know, some people like Eurovision Hub when when they go to Melody Festival and they have the artists do reaction videos because it's a reaction video site, you know, um, YouTube channel. So it's like you get that content. I think if I was from a country, I'd maybe want to see like, oh, can we, if I'm from, I'm, I'm like, now I'm like rambling. Y'all are like, Alicia, slow down. But I'm getting so excited because it's like, it's sparking all of this potential content that we can have instead of, a whole press corps of people doing the same thing, you know? And ultimately, if they want the creators and journalists to put out certain types of media and they don't want everyone talking about the rehearsals, then why give people access to it? You know what I'm saying? So I'm just hoping that this move sparks a little bit of creativity in the minds of creators to kind of figure out what is the out of the box thing that you can do. Um, I'll give another example. When I was in Italy, the American Song Contest Grand Final was basically the Monday before the Eurovision um, Song Contest, like, well, before the semifinals. So the semifinal, first semifinal being on Tuesday. So when I was on the red carpet, I was like talking to some of the artists. I was like, do you have any well wishes for like Americans who would want to do? Because, you know, Europe has this long tradition of a song contest. Why would you tell other like American singers uh, or songwriters to try to enter a competition like that? You know, I feel like that's kind of my perspective of what I'm coming from. So that's the content that I think I can kind of own and create. So I just I just hope that this sparks for some folks creativity to figure out what other content they can own and create uh, now lacking. So instead of being upset, getting creative and figuring out what can be done next. Well, thank you so much for listening. This was the Eurovision for Real podcast. I'm Alicia Michelle. Please subscribe and connect with me on social media. It's really easy to find me. I am Alicia Michelle. Bye.